0: Hello, and welcome to Books the Podcast, the only podcast about books. I'm Tim. I'm Tom. And we are booksmen.
1: Sure are. Till the day totally. I die.
0: Till the day Tom kicks the bucket. And all of us go, uh, so young.
1: So young. Uh, <laughs> out in a blaze of glory, just like he always wanted. <laughs> Hey, gotta hand it to him. What a cool way to die that was. <laughs> uh yeah, Tim. You know what? It's getting colder outside. What's better than a nice book to to cozy up with?
0: Hey, uh the uh pandemic numbers are horrific outside.
1: Mm-hmm. What's better oh, than the pandemic numbers outside are frightful. Yeah. But this book, reading a book, is so delightful. Yeah, I can't and come up with the rest. The song, <laughs> that's the song. That's the song. Let of the season. it snow,
0: let it snow, let it snow. Yeah,
1: no, I don't want it to snow though. I don't really care for snow. I mean, if it snows this year, we're fucked. <laughs> why? Why is that?
0: Well, I'm fucked because I'm just not going to go outside if it snows.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Tom,
0: I'll tell you what. Today, we're recording this on a Thursday. Yeah. I forced myself to go outside when I woke up this morning because before that I had not been outside since Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And if Regular there's snow shutting. on the ground, <laughs> phew, boy, oh boy, I'm not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. I I have a dog. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been outside in the last nine months. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Uh But there is, luckily, you know, I hated it at first. uh, They're scaffolding outside my building right now. But it is nice when it's raining or snowing that, uh, you know, it's like taking up the entire front of my building. And when it's raining or snowing, my dog does not want to go outside. So uh, it's good for that because then uh, at least the two of us don't get wet. What are they working on your building? They're working on my building. Actually, they haven't been working in weeks but i guess the scaffolding will just be there forever
0: that i mean tom you watch the show how to with john wilson yes on hbo um, max yeah it's the best show that's currently yeah, in production, yeah, yeah if you're if
1: you're looking for a funny show to watch how to a john wilson on hbo max very funny
0: but i've long been upset with the fact that there's always scaffolding everywhere in new york city yeah
1: and there's an episode that goes into it
0: yeah and what that episode brought up is that there's some sort of legislation that was passed that like buildings need to be inspected the faces of every building needs to be need to be inspected right um every few years or something and that is what uh, yeah. a lot of the scaffolding is. So, like, it's not even necessarily work being done. Mm-hmm. It's they erect scaffolding and then inspect the the face of buildings, right? Yeah,
1: because uh, somebody was killed. I think it was like in the seventies. Uh, yeah, when uh, a brick or something fell off a building, uh, so the the law changed and everything. And that's actually what they are doing uh, on my building. They're like replacing bricks and and stuff mm. like that loose bricks i mean it makes sense they should do it but there should also be laws of like once you put the scaffolding up you gotta get the work done within a certain yeah. amount of time
0: yeah i mean if it you know maybe uh 10 uh, like five days per story on the building and yeah like-
1: but yeah it, it's you know uh i don't i don't know exactly how it works but It seems like there's an incentive to just put scaffolding up and not really be in a rush to take it back down.
0: I assume it's the mafia. I assume the mafia uh, controls the scaffolding. They said it's like a
1: $2 billion a year business, something insane for, you know, like plywood and, and pipes.
0: Yeah, anything like that. That's a business that is only a viable business because of government regulation yeah. you can tell you know the the mafia has captured that
1: right and there's not really competition it's not like oh and there's different types of scaffolding you can get they they show in in this show that there is now like a nicer type of scaffolding but like it it looks you know it looks just ugly in a different way <laughs> yeah um But yeah, it's just like a compulsory, there's no, it's seemingly no competition between these companies.
0: And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's like a list of approved scaffolding vendors by the city Mm. and all of them are kicking up to the same mafia boss. (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. The Penguin. Tom,
0: I think at some point you and I got to take down the mafia. At
1: at some point in my life, I assume I am going to take down the mafia. Either in,
0: Giuliani style. either
1: in court or the old-fashioned way.
0: Well, maybe that will be the, the blaze of glory that you go out in.
1: Uh, let's hope. Tom, or do you or remember I might be a, a crazy QAnon person that kills a mob boss because he thinks that uh, they're involved.
0: That's, that was what I was just about to bring up. Yeah. Like, there was a high-profile mafia Extremely high-profile,
1: yeah. Um, in
0: Staten Island, mm-hmm. uh, when was that? Over the summer In the spring.
1: Yeah, I thought it was la- I thought it was in 2019, but maybe not.
0: No, it was it was during the pandemic.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, a mafia boss was killed, and they were like, "Uh oh, what was it? A rival yeah. mafia uh, uh, crew?" And It's like, nope, it was a QAnon guy. It was, was his daughter's, the, yeah, daughter's the, boyfriend, the
1: guy's daughter, who got really into a like, QAnon. Yeah. And sure, and yeah. thought that this guy was part of you know uh, uh, a pedophile sex ring and <laughs> walked up to him and shot him.
0: Yeah, a broken clock's right twice a day, Tom. <laughs>
1: right, I bet I bet that guy didn't see that being how he was going to go down. I bet he you know, he probably met that guy's daughter and was probably like, look at this, look at this computer nerd. He's on a computer all day looking at the internet. Eh, that guy's not going to be the guy that kills me. That's a really
0: uh, Sopranos esque twist, like yeah, uh, you know, like a high profile right. mafia guy being killed for like unrelated reasons, right. but Like and crazy, it, and it
1: only it almost starts like a war between all the mobs because they assume, like, yeah. oh, no, it was it was the Grazianos that did that bad yeah. hit. They and had it out for him. We gotta we gotta strike back before they see it coming.
0: Yeah, and then Silvio has to, like, uh, explain to Tony, he's like,
1: no, no, it was Q. It was Q. <laughs> it was Q, Tone.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what were we talking about? Scaffolding? Scaffolding. Uh, the hell and, that and, we live and, in? And, the yeah, mafia?
1: And books, and how nice books can be.
0: Hey, we all love curling up with a big book.
1: I mean, I'll tell you what. Uh, big book, best book. Uh, after having read those uh, uh, Sweet Valley High books, uh, this really is a f- breath of fresh air. I can't believe just how, like, the Sweet Valley High books, like, I don't know, they weren't poorly written from like a grammatical standpoint or like a structural set. They were just so boring,
0: they were unartful.
1: Yeah, there was just nothing to them. Uh, I mean
0: they're for, they're for kids
1: yeah well the first one actually the the one about Pretty the werewolf uh, that one I kind of like because it was bonkers at least like wacky things were happening but the, the next one about the mountain man that one was just a slog to get through like I I
0: mean he, th- th- that's why you know you a 39 year old man shouldn't be reading sweet valley high books.
1: Well, but I'm not sitting here saying like oh it was so like uh tch.
0: nobody wa- nobody asked you to nobody wanted <laughs> you to read. Those.
1: I'm not I'm not sitting here saying like oh it was so like vapid or you know tacky you, or, like you oh put it's the, just you put it was the, just about the thing, gossip. You put the books on the on the pulp. I know and I thought they were going to be like cheesy at least. Uh, you know, entertaining in like a tabloid esque way of like, oh, look at all this teen drama, but instead the one at least was just boring as hell to read.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm sorry that happened to you, Tom.
1: So with that said, I am enjoying I hope get
0: the guy that made you read those books.
1: <laughs> I, I hope somebody from the internet uh, plugs them. The, uh, <laughs> That'll be
0: the blaze of glory you go on <laughs> QAnon guy killing you over uh, oh, The Sweet God. Valley High books
1: Just, Yeah I could I could easily see that Happening <laughs> um, uh, But this book You know it, it's not uh, You know it's not a, a, a classic by any means but um, Yeah it's fun It's at least a fun read
0: I think one Mr. Bruno uh, Bruce Willis <laughs> might Disagree with you
1: I bet Bruce Willis, if you ask him about the first Die Hard, he's probably like, I could have written a better movie.
0: Do you think he read the book? No. You don't think it might have been at a point in his life, in his career, where he was just like, eh, the The movie that like made me an unabashed star mm-hmm. that I'll be dining out on in Hollywood for the next 40 years... Um It was based on a book. Maybe uh, I'll I'll read that book. It seems No, because Bruce
1: Willis thinks the thing that made him an unabashed star is him. (laughs) Not any movie. He made Die Hard good. Die Hard didn't make him.
0: You don't think there's... uh, uh, Do you think Bruce Willis is a good actor?
1: No. Really? No, I, I don't think he's a good actor at all. I thought, you know what? And actually, I was tempted to figure something out with this. Uh, where I was like, maybe instead of Die Hard, I'll make Tim watch a couple of episodes of Moonlighting. Well, lucky for me, I've never seen Die Hard, so. Um, because I think Moonlighting he was good in. I think he's, he's good in some stuff. He certainly hasn't been good in anything in the last, like, 10, 15, 20 years, though.
0: No, but he's a roided up old guy now, yeah. right?
1: Is he like, roided? Yeah. No, I didn't really? He doesn't look like it. Really? Yeah.
0: What is he? I'm thinking of uh Sly Stallone. I'm yeah, putting yeah, him yeah. in the same box as How Sly Stallone. You. Where it's just like rich guy who like
1: Yeah, but the um, difference is like Sylvester Stallone has like a sense of humor. But a lot and Bruce people Willis. and a lot of people who work with Sylvester Stallone have said like he's a great guy he's a lot of fun to work with he's really nice he's smart uh you know he's got interesting thoughts about things he's thoughtful but Bruce Willis nobody charming. who work, nobody who works with Bruce Willis has anything nice to say about him. I don't think that was the case in well, the eighties and nineties. Well, but I'm saying that in Moonlighting I think he was charming. Mm-hmm. And and he was doing a more comedic role, which I actually think he's not he's not bad at being funny. But at some point he was like, I'm not gonna be funny anymore. I'm not gonna be the funny guy. Right. I'm gonna be very serious.
0: But I don't think that means that he's like I think to be charming mm-hmm. and funny. In the way that he was early on in his career.
1: Uh huh. Bearing in mind, uh, these are two things you know nothing about. Why? Being charming Being and funny. Charming
0: and funny. I think that, uh, that takes a level of intelligence. Like, if you look, you know how I primarily. I didn't say knew... he was
1: dumb. I just said he's a bad actor. Yeah, you did. No, oh, you said right. he was dumb earlier. Well, he's <laughs> dumb nowadays.
0: He wouldn't read the book. But, um,. If you look at his Letterman appearances in mm. the late 80s early 90s, yeah. He's very funny and very charming and he gets it. Right. Like he understands like uh Letterman's like yeah, comedic yeah. wavelength and meets him there. Um so like you saying like no he didn't read the book he's a fucking idiot and like he doesn't read books and he's just a giant asshole. I don't think he was at the time. I think there's a chance he read this book because uh like this was still very early on in his career. I think he would be like to do a good job, let me see what this book is about even mm-hmm. before production.
1: Maybe. I just feel like in the 80s they when they made books based on movies, it was different. Like, that they all were, like, trying to distance themselves from the books. You know? Like, Mm. things weren't as faithful an adaptation. And, like, nowadays, it goes sometimes too far the other way, where, like, it's just...
0: Too faithful, yeah. Way
1: too faithful, and, like, there's nothing you know no interesting spin on anything whereas i think in the 80s everything was like all right here's the source material now we got to you know do something with it really really put a spin on it to well, make it our if, own
0: well it's not even that it's if you if you've ever read uh william goldman's uh adventures in the screen trade books mm-hmm. he adapted a lot of um novels into movies mm-hmm. he's just like the no, the novel structure is not compatible with movie structure, right? Like a movie is straight three acts. It needs one protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, without all that, it doesn't work. So, like novels tend to be more, more sprawling. So you have to change things just to fit the medium, mm-hmm. and that's why adaptations now are like fucking eight movies long and boring slogs. Right? It's like if you're if you're reading it, it would be it would be immersive and nice. But like, who needs that shit? Yeah. A movie. Well, anyway, th- Tom, what I want to say is, mm-hmm. uh, right or wrong from last week. Okay. The return of Bruno, <laughs> the TV movie, uh, um, in which Bruce Willis plays Bruno, a blues musician, <laughs> um, his alter ego and also release an album actually aired before the year before Die Hard came
1: out. Huh? But he was still riding high on that moonlighting, uh, juice. Yeah. That was a big show. I mean, I remember my parents watched that show every week, and I was bored out of my mind every time it was on. Although I was David reading... Sybil Shepard? I was reading up about it, and that show... Uh,
0: Two of the sexiest in their prime, Tom.
1: That show was actually like very groundbreaking. It's considered one of the first uh, dramedies on TV. Uh, Like before then, things were either strictly a comedy, strictly a drama. And this was uh, one of the first, if not the first show that kind of uh, certainly the first that like set the mold for that genre going forward. Um, And also it was uh, one of the few shows that apparently frequently broke the fourth wall, which I didn't know. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'd like to watch this show, Tom. Um, yeah. Maybe I will watch some episodes of. I mean, I like Sybil Shepard. Yeah. I hear she's a nightmare on set.
1: But <laughs> well, it sounds like uh, she learned it from Bruno.
0: Yeah. So their are number one and two build. Mm hmm. Do you know who uh, number three build is uh, Alice Beasley, who I don't know who that is? You know who the number four build person in Moonlighting is? No. Curtis Armstrong, who you might know as Booger from the <laughs> Return of the uh, Revenge of the Nerds,
1: yeah, Oh, I remember him being in that. Now, yeah,
0: I've never seen. I I know nothing. I think about I think he
1: learned. worked at the front desk or something. I think that was his uh, his role in mm. it. Mm.
0: Booger, yeah, real, uh, real piece of shit is booger do, do you, you, have no,
1: you have no idea tim you're basing it on f- revenge of the nerds thinking that he's a real piece of shit
0: no i'm basing it on the time that you and i were back in the the vip section of comic-con uh-huh. and we saw booger walking through the hallways uh, with a uh a ton of uh, sycophants uh, trailing him, <laughs> uh-huh. and him talking shit about Tom Cruise. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah,
1: I do remember that. You <laughs> he know, he was what?
0: telling a bunch of nerds a story about like a time <laughs> that he like cool guyed Tom Cruise and made Tom Cruise look like an asshole.
1: Well, and look at you, Tim, on a Patreon podcast talking about a time where you you had had the upper hand on booger. <laughs>
0: I didn't have the upper hand on him. Well, he was—he was in his element. He was at Comic
1: Con for Christ's <laughs> sake. That's Christ true. Sakes. Yeah, he could have had you killed with a word.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I cowered. <laughs> I cowered in fear when he walked by me. <laughs>
1: um, I will say uh, to go back to the book here for a minute. This book is a lot. I haven't seen. I can't remember the last time I've like seen Die Hard in its entirety. Um but this movie or this book is a lot more similar to die hard than I thought it would be. I thought it would just kind of like, you know, take the general idea of a terrorist take over a high rise in LA kind of fish out of water cop. Um, and you know, one man has to, has to try and, you know, take them down. But, uh, it's pretty faithful, like even down to some of the lines I recognize from uh from the movie I wouldn't know
0: because i've been uh you I've been advised not to watch the movie yet, yes,
1: yeah uh well it doesn't matter I mean you well now you'll watch it and think, wow, this movie's similar to the book maybe. do you remember what happened uh last time
0: um there's a a
1: retired cop, yes, Joe Leland.
0: He's going to visit his daughter uh-huh um, he's in a cab uh, they get into a, a cab accident yes. a car accident mm-hmm. um, there's some racism mm-hmm. um, he tells the the cabby like he'll protect them or whatever he pulls a gun or something yeah. on the guy mm-hmm. they go he gets on the plane he goes. He sees somebody talking on a CB radio outside of the out of his daughter's uh, mm-hmm. office building. He, well, he,
1: he made out with a flight attendant on the flight, too.
0: Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. it's really, Oh, and she was going to San Diego. Yes. She's like, hey, meet me in San Diego. Yeah. He's like, maybe. Um, He alerts the <laughs> Maybe, front and desk then guy. the
1: first thing he does when he lands is try and call her. It's like, well, no. She like, hasn't I even love got, you. I love she you. She hasn't even gotten off the plane yet, pal.
0: Um, he tells the security guard, "He's okay. Like, hey, I'm former police. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy on a CB radio out there." Mm-hmm. Um, he goes up, uh, and then I kind of stop. I zoned out when you were explaining <laughs> it last week. Tom, do, do the terrorists actually yes. have they have they taken people hostage? Yes. Okay.
1: Everyone in the building, including his daughter.
0: Okay, but and not him.
1: Not him. They don't know about him. Where was he? Was he pooping? He was uh, cleaning up in the in the bathroom. Oh, and yeah. and he was um
0: <laughs> yeah cleaning up in the bathroom. We know.
1: <laughs> and he was trying to call the flight attendant, and the call okay. the call cut out, which was like his first like, huh? What's oh, going right. on? Okay. Um. So now he's like doing he's he's basically like trying to figure out what's going on. He knows it's bad. And he's trying to figure out what his plan is, what his game here is. Ultimately what he wants to do it right now is get a message out because as of right now nobody knows that terrorists have, are holding about 40 people hostage in this building. Right. Um so he and the the phone lines have been cut. So you know, how does he get a message out to get the police there? Uh and it's also Christmas Eve, so there are very few police working in the first place.
0: Tom, we should do crimes on Christmas Eve.
1: I usually do. Ooh. Yeah. You should uh Well,
0: now you've admitted it. And guess what? <laughs> I'm a uh, honorary deputy, and I'm placing <laughs> you under citizen's arrest.
1: Well, you'd have to come to my apartment to do it, Tim.
0: I'll fucking do it. I'll kill I'll you, I'll breathe swear to God. all
1: over you as you're doing it.
0: You're not, like, sick, are you?
1: No. But you never no. know. Better safe than sorry.
0: Tom, do you think we'll ever be in the same room ever again?
1: Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> um so he's trying to figure out what's going on he's like running around he's barefoot remember because he took his uh shoes off because uh, a german guy told him on a plane once that if you wet your feet it wakes you up uh, oh right 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 so he's barefoot he's trying to figure out the situation I wonder if that
0: happens in the movie
1: don't tell me okay he's trying to figure out the situation he's like running up and down the floors trying to like get an idea of the layout of the building and trying to figure out where
0: the 46th floor, then the 47th (laughs) floor. Okay. Then the 48th floor. Let me go down. Yep. 47. Well, it's a 40,
1: it's a 40, 40 floor building. So those floors don't exist.
0: It's a 40 floor building. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think, I think the party was, you
0: know what I found out about the building I live in today? (laughs) What? Uh, there's no floor 13.
1: Yeah, that's frequently uh, the case. I know.
0: I always thought, this is such a silly thing. Yeah, but maybe Although one I day. I wouldn't want to live on the 13th yeah, floor, but I wouldn't live on the freaking 14th floor.
1: Maybe one day you're going to be on the elevator. It's going to open up, 13th floor. You're going to be like, that's oh, right. no. It's a
0: real Twilight Zone terror, terror situation. Exactly,
1: and then the elevator drops. Yeah. So he's. Thrilling. He's going. uh just like a few floors up and a few floors down to get the lay of the land and you know desperately trying to figure out what he can do and where these guys are he sees uh Gruber the main bad guy Tony Gruber uh little Tony uh take one of the executives that that he met uh this guy Rivers and just put a gun up to his chest and pull the trigger and kill him
0: wow does he know the guy's name at this point
1: he had he had been introduced to him by his, by his daughter very briefly oh, okay, right okay. um so now no, no
0: no no the the gruber's name
1: yes because he learned about him during like an fbi seminar years ago he's like did you w-
0: mention this already
1: yes he's like one. was of that the, last week yes he's I mean, like one of the fbi's like most wanted or whatever terrorists um so he he remembers him from that. Uh, so that's, like, part of where he's like, oh, no, this is, like, real deal. This guy knows what he's doing. Um, and then he kills a guy, uh, you know, seemingly to, like, prove he's serious. I'd um, hate to get killed. <laughs> I bet you would.
0: Yeah, it would suck.
1: So he sees this happen, and like, down the hall, and he's like, ah, oh, shit, 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 like, all right now he's looking he's like all right i gotta find scissors like that's a weapon i need to because he has a gun on him but he's like the longer i can keep from them a that i exist and b that i've got a gun the better because like they're not going to be on their guard so like i need to find scissors as a weapon uh now it's uh, nine nine twenty seven p.m. Next chapter, he's like trying to figure out how can I signal people. And he's like it's after uh, midnight where we are, right? He's like, should I uh, flash the lights? Maybe that will signal somebody. And he's like, eh. he's like some actor it in his jacuzzi is going to see flashing lights in a building and be like, oh look at that! <laughs> like that's not going to do anything. It's not going to get anybody's attention. Um, he sets up uh, axes. On the the stairwell doors, like the uh, you know emergency axes that they have, mm-hmm. so that if one of those doors open, he'll hear the axe fall, and you know so somebody won't be able to like sneak up on him. Um, and he's like, "All right, if I hear an axe fall, I can quickly switch Wait, off so the light."
0: Why didn't he put like a trash can in front of him? And he was looking so much for for scissors earlier. Uh-huh. Wouldn't an axe be more? Uh, advantageous? Nah,
1: because you'd have to like, I forget, He, he besides like slitting throats, he had like another idea for how he could use a scissor but I forget what it was. But I think, you know, trash can, a trash can will just, like, move out of the way and
0: axe. Yeah, for anything. You know, (laughs) it's something, you can put something that'll make Like, he's trying to think
1: off the top of his head, Tim. He's using what he's got on him.
0: Yeah, but first he was like, oh, I need to find something sharp, scissors. And then he's like, and I'll use this axe for uh, a non-lethal purpose.
1: Well, I think he also realizes, like, if somebody comes at me with a gun, I, I'm not going to be able to like swing an axe quickly enough. But
0: he'll do something with scissors
1: if he sneaks up behind him.
0: Yeah, but you can sneak up behind someone with an axe, not if, as if easily. You, Tom, if you were going to fight a guy, uh huh, they're like, there's two weapons available to you,
1: uh-huh. uh
0: huh. Fight to the death. Uh, you can have this pair of scissors, or you can have this axe. What would you choose?
1: If I was sneak if I was given the chance to sneak up on him, I would want scissors. Really? Yeah. Cuz an axe like especially like I don't trust myself to like get a good shot in right away. You know? Like swing an axe accurately enough to like kill a man on the first swing.
0: What are you going to kill somebody with, with scissors on yeah, the first? Yeah, slit swing? their throat. You can slit their throat with an axe. No,
1: you can't. Not easily. You are an idiot, Tom. You're, You're an idiot. I'd like moron. to. S- I'd like to see you. I'd like to see you slit somebody's throat with an axe sometime.
0: I'd like to. I, okay. I'd like to. I'll give you a pair of scissors and an axe, and let's <laughs> fight to the fucking death in uh, Prospect <laughs> Park this weekend. And
1: we'll both we'll, we'll sneak up on each other when we least expect it. Um... So anyway, he's like up on the floor. Tom, and, if he's gonna sneak oh up my on God. someone, why
0: doesn't no? Hold on, if he's gonna sneak up on someone, why doesn't he use the fucking gun?
1: Because if the gun goes off, people will hear it, and he doesn't want them to know he has a gun yet. All right. And, or going. even if they don't hear it, they'll see the bullet hole in the guy. So he and he yeah, only and has so
0: they saw the 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 the. The slit throat they'll be like oh they must have died of natural causes nothing to see here
1: <laughs> well they'll be like oh no somebody has a pair of scissors we better go find them versus like oh somebody's got a fucking gun we better have everybody go find them yeah okay and he only has you know a finite number of bullets too he has like he has fewer bullets than there are men as far as he knows right now okay so he, uh, all of a sudden the elevator starts moving. He hears it and he's like, oh shit. So he goes and hides, and uh a 25 year old guy gets off the elevator and he's like, uh, so he takes a plant and throws it. And, uh, immediately, like the guy shoots in that direction. He's like, oh man, the, yeah, this guy's gonna try and shoot me. And the guy's like, no, come on out. We, we'll talk. And he's like, I'm not gonna buy that. Um, so he does like a bunch of distracting things like where he like flips on all the lights, you know, and they're like bright office lights, so like the guy can't really see and he's shooting everywhere. You know, he's just kind of trying to like freak the guy out. Um he goes to a different floor, hides on that floor. The guy follows him down to that floor. Now he sneaks up behind the guy uh with the idea where he's like flashing back to the same like training. I think it was the same training where you learned about Gruber. And it was like an FBI, like counterterrorism guy who also taught them how to snap a person's neck. Hmm. And he's remembering what the guy told him how to do it. And he sneaks up behind the guy and does it. And like, oh, where it's basically like you have to, like, get your shoulder right under the base of their neck. Dive forward while, like, you throw the rest of your body backwards, and it will pop hmm. the, the skull out from the spine, basically. Um, Does it work? It works, and he uh, almost pees his pants, the, the, the Joe Leland, because it's, like, so upsetting. He, like, feels his bladder opening.
0: But he just went to the bathroom.
1: <laughs> no, he didn't. I don't think he that's got to where pee. He was. I know, but I don't think he got to pee. And even if he did, it was like this was an upsetting enough thing that like his body like he reacts viscerally his to it. His body created
0: pee.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what a body does, Tim.
0: <laughs> Out of nothing?
1: <laughs> you still have water in him. <laughs> you, anyway, you, you, you the just guy peed. The guy is. He didn't
0: drink any more water. So, just because the body's upset, it's like, let's manufacture some pee out of, like, so what, if like you take
1: water out of the when, blood. When you pee, you'll never pee again unless you have more water. Um, at a certain point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, he hasn't reached that point. You know what, also, that actually kind of makes sense because he says he feels his bladder open. But he doesn't say like he pisses his pants, so I think his bladder opens, but there's not much in there.
0: Okay. Well then that I can accept well, that.
1: Meanwhile, the kid, the twenty five year old that he kills, does pee his pants, and then he's laying on the ground, his legs are shaking and his hands are clenching, like as his like you know, body's dying or whatever. Right. Uh, which is very upsetting to Joe. And Joe it Turns
0: like, out he didn't even need the scissors, huh? Or the axe.
1: No. Well, he didn't find scissors, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but he goes through this guy's bag, and guess what? He scores for himself in the guy's bag. Scissors. No. You want to take another guess? A gun. No. Tim, even better. He finds one Milky Way and two O. Henry bars. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: O. Henry. Yeah, so he takes what those. What is O. Henry.
1: I don't think they're that good, honestly. Yeah, he he's like not super excited about it, but he's like, all right, this I'm going to keep these because I'm probably going to get hungry at some point. Um, he takes the body uh, and like uh, pins what? Oh
0: wait, different. Sorry, never mind. Go
1: on. (laughs) And uh, pins a note to it that says, "Now we have a machine gun." Goes in the elevator, puts the body in the ele- in a chair in the elevator, hits the floor that it needs to go to. It, it has to go, like, two floors down, but he hits the floors in between to give him time to climb up to the roof of the elevator, to climb into the ceiling of it. Okay. Um and he's riding down there and like, you know, it's quiet at first and he can just like still feel the way it felt when he snapped the guy's neck. It's like kind of making him sick. Um, has he ever killed a man before? Do you think he did in war? Uh, I, it sounds like he might've, when he was a cop too, um, and never liked it. Uh, and I don't think ever killed somebody with his bare hands like this either. Right. Um, he hears over the oh, and he gets the guy's radio. So now he can like listen in on them. He he'll, he hears them talking about uh threatening to kill the hostages. Um they know he's got the radio, so now Gruber starts talking to him and he's like, Let's make a deal. Uh and the guy's like, All right, or Joe Leland's like, All right, I I'm gonna send he overheard them saying like we found a man's socks and shoes in one of the rooms. He, There must be a guy who snuck off into a room with a woman to fool around. And now they're hiding somewhere. So he knows that they think he has a woman. So he's like, all right, I'll make a deal with you. Just let me send the girl down. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, but really what they do is they, um, like uh sneak around uh and go and uh like a attack on the floor that he's on um where where he was. um firing. oh, he has the guy's gun, uh a Thompson rifle, like a big rifle that he he took from the kid that he killed uh and he's like, well, I can't shoot through the elevator because then they'll know I'm up in this elevator. So he's like, I don't really know what to do at this point. So he ri- he's just riding on top of the elevator, and he finally takes it up to the 40th floor and gets off, like on the like top of the machinery or whatever, to like mm-hmm. figure out his next move. Um, and now he's talking to Gruber again on the radio, and he's like, uh, now he's trying to just kind of, um, like I guess, uh, make him mad get get them to like screw up. Um cuz he overhears that the guy he killed was this guy's Carl's brother cuz they're like, oh no, somebody's got to go get Carl and tell him what happened. He's going to be real upset. And uh uh or or the guy's brother is Carl rather. Uh so he asks Gruber, "Is Carl there? I want to tell him what it was like to break his brother's neck." <laughs> and then like the radio cuts out and he's like, "Well, it's like implied, like Carl tried to get the radio. Like I'll fucking kill you. Um, so he's doing a good job making him mad. And then he's thinking about this woman that he was dating for a while and how uh, like it didn't work out because she lived in uh, San Francisco and he lived in New York and he wouldn't give up his work for her. Uh, so it just didn't work. And he's like, God damn it, I screwed that up. I shouldn't. Have, I should have given up my work. Like my life sucks.
0: Give up your work for anything? You yeah. you're a cop.
1: No. And this was after this was when he was retired and he was like running a private yeah. investigation agency. Um, and, you know, after his marriage failed and everything. So now he's like, uh, he's up on the roof, I think. So this is one of the problems I have with this book is there's a lot of explanation of like where he is in the building and like in elevator shafts and stuff. And it's very hard for me at least to visualize and there's, like, a mm. lot of description, maybe even too much description, where it'll be like, all right, there's a wall four feet away. To the right of that is a beam. Now, this beam goes down 12 feet. Underneath that beam, there's a ledge. Like, it's just hard to kind of visualize and yeah. keep track
0: of. We have a friend, Tom, who, mm-hmm. whenever they tell a story, um, they start out describing the entire layout of the building <laughs> right. that they're in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, uh, you know, the way certain people's brains work. Mm -hmm. Mine doesn't work that way. I can't read something like that and visualize it very easily. Show me a picture. Yeah, I can look at a picture and understand what I'm seeing. Right. This book should have pictures is what I'm trying to say.
0: All books should have pictures.
1: Um, But basically, he's like trapped on the roof now because like they, they figured out where he is kind of or where he likely is they're covering the stairwells they're covering the elevators so he's like shit i've got nowhere to go except for the hvac uh the the heat and air conditioning uh shaft you know the uh mm-hmm. the air shaft yeah uh earlier he had dropped a like a bullet down to hear how far it was and i think he estimated that it was a 400 foot drop <laughs> So this is a vertical air shaft so he's like, Ugh. but then he's like, oh, I remember this story I heard about a guy falling down an air shaft that high. And he lived because the, the air like created like a, a buffer. You know, he was falling so fast. There was nowhere for the air to go mm-hmm. that it cushioned his fall. But he's like, eh, I'm not going to trust that. But he's like, I've got nowhere else to go. So I got to try this. Uh, but he can't see inside there. And he's got no flashlight or anything like that. So he's like reaching down, trying to find like a horizontal way that it goes to see if he can get in somewhere. Can't find it. So he's like, all right, I've got to take this bag. I stole from that dead guy, wrap that around the gun, like lower myself down. Hope that these buckles hold. I have no idea. I can't, it's so dark. I can't even see what these buckles are made out of. If they'll hold or not, like it feels like brass, but who knows? Um, and maybe if I lower myself down low enough, I'll be able to feel with my feet uh, a place for me to to scoot inside. So he does that. This takes like pages and pages, where like he's just it's taking
0: you a while to. Explain I know.
1: It. Well, he's just like terrified, um, but he does it. He he just barely reaches like a uh one of the another air vent going horizontally. And, like, pulls himself into it, and it's, like, so tight around him that, like, he can't even pull his arms past him. He's like, oh, fuck, like, all right, I've got no choice. Like, I might go in this thing and then just die in there in a few days because I'm stuck and nobody knows I'm in here. But, like, what else can I do? Um, And then he's, like, pulling for the gun to come down. The gun was, like, arranged in a way to, like, hold The strap, again, Mm -hmm. this is like, I couldn't really picture how this was, but it's in a way that he can then like pull the strap in a different way to pull the gun down. He's like trying to do that, trying to do that. And then it finally gives and the gun falls and smashes him in the back of the head. (laughs) He almost blacks out. It hits him so hard. He can feel that he's bleeding and like just barely catches the gun, reaches down, isn't really paying attention grabs the gun by the trigger and pulls three shots off so now three shots yeah i think it's a semi automatic Hmm. so now it's like oh great now the whole building definitely heard just three rifle shots go off they're gonna find me um he backs out like 20 feet down this shaft And he can feel with his feet like a grate. So he's like kicking at the grate and pressing at it. And finally he breaks through and his feet touch tar paper. And he's like, what the hell? And then he realizes I'm still on the goddamn roof. I wasn't even thinking I was just on like a utility room on top of the roof. Of course, I'm still on the roof. I'm like 10 feet lower from where I was. So now he's on the roof. He's like covered in like soot. Um, but he's walking and he sees one like
0: Dick Van Dyke in a uh, freaking
1: Mary Poppins. Exactly. But it works to his advantage because there's a bad guy out on the roof waiting outside the room that he was stuck inside of with like sitting there with a gun waiting to kill him. So he sneaks up behind that guy uh, and kills him. uh, wow. uh I think he, he does use his gun for that.
0: Oh, so now it's okay to use a gun.
1: <laughs> um, and then he's like, he's going through that guy's stuff and he's like, I'm not going to reach into a dead man's pockets. And he's like, ah, th- what the hell? I am going to reach into a dead man's pocket. And he's like, oh, awesome, a Mars bar. <laughs> so he's excited Boy, about This
0: is uh, freaking Halloween for this guy. Yeah.
1: So he's excited about that. And then he's like, <laughs> so
0: many candy bars, these
1: guys. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's like, all right. I got to figure out a way to get a signal. And he's like, uh, I got an idea. So he takes the guy's body, walks it over to the edge of the building and then says Geronimo motherfucker and tips the guy's body off the edge of the building, watches it fall 40 stories. And as it's falling, he's like, I won't be able to hear it hit the, hit the pavement from up here. It hits the pavement with like a, a wet crunch. He throws up. <laughs> it's such a gross noise. <laughs> Um, and then he's like, all right, hopefully somebody will f- see that a, a, mangled body is outside this building. Now, um, he goes back inside, uh, cause now, you know, the coast is somewhat clear. Uh, he's at the, I think at the top floor and he goes into like a conference room and there's a woman in there, like trying to crack a safe. And uh she immediately goes for her for a gun that's on the table. And he's like, no, 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 don't do that. And she looks at him and then she goes for it anyway and he blows her away. And then he's like real upset about that because he's like, oh God, like
0: gotta stop killing people."
1: Yeah, and he's just like, that's like, you know that was also real gross um. Uh, he describes the safe though, in a way I liked, uh, and I would like to think this is how, uh, like safe installers uh, describe it. It's a copper colored wall job
0: mm-hmm. job like, is is the telltale because yeah. he's like,
1: Oh, look at that copper colored wall job. Like just, you know, regular run of the mill safe. Um, she has plastic explosives and detonators, which I think we're going to be used perhaps to get into the safe. He takes those, he hides the detonators. Um, and then he can hear them like shooting the elevators below. Like they think he's in the elevators again. So they're shooting the elevators. Um, and I think he calls up Gruber and he's like, I'm not in the elevators, And he's like, oh, no, you know, we're not, we're not, we don't care about that or whatever. And he goes, don't crap me. Don't crap (laughs) me? Yeah, which I don't don't think is a saying. Um, But then he looks out the window, Tim, and he sees a series of flashes like up on the hill. And he realizes that they're like four flashes, 10 seconds apart, which is ten four. Which means you know receive message received, so somebody got his message. hmm, and that that's where it ends that that hopefully the cavalry's coming to help him out. Wow, but but they'll still have a hell of a time. Gruber told him he's like we're prepared to be in here for days, if not weeks.
0: Yeah, what? you have no idea how many candy bars our men have. <laughs>
1: exactly, but it's just like no, we've got this place fortified. There's no way up here. The roof is too small for a helicopter to land on. Right. So the only way in is up, and he's like, anybody that comes up, like they're gonna have to come up through these, uh, you know, uh, stairwells, and if they do that, we got guys that'll all shoot them.
0: He's got to kill each and every one of them himself.
1: Yeah. Well, that's kind of what he's trying, what he's figuring out. And that's what, why he's feels confident going downstairs because he like kind of does a count in his head of where they probably are. And he figures like, well, they're probably watching the elevators and the stairwells, but then like at least two people have to stay with all the hostages. So he's like, all right, nobody's on this floor. I'm going to go to that floor. He's like keeping track of a lot of stuff in his head all the time
0: this is like a dang episode of Seinfeld where you're just like man if the, uh, if they just had cell phones uh, this oh, would be over in five minutes
1: I was thinking that even when he was trying to you know uh, go down the air shaft I'm like put the flashlight on your phone on yeah <laughs> then you can see I'm like all oh, right he doesn't have the phone it's weird to think like you know even Well, I guess at this point, what, you know, 10 years ago, I don't know, unless you were like a smoker, you didn't have like a way to make light on you all the time. Yeah,
0: but like in the 80s, everybody was a smoker.
1: (laughs) That's true. Or if you had like a, like an Indiglo watch, if you were cool. Right. Then you could do it, but. uh, I don't
0: know how cool that was, but.
1: But, uh, but Yeah. It, taking for granted nowadays that everybody's always got a way to make some light. I think that's well, an allegory for something. Sure. <laughs> but as, aside from the confusing layout descriptions, uh, pretty good. Pretty good story so far.
0: Yeah, it seems... I have no idea how closely it tracks with Die Hard. I'll find out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think uh if you killed a man you'd ever be able to get over it?
1: Um, probably not.
0: I think it would haunt me. <laughs> yeah, I think to my dying breath.
1: Well, and that's what I I like about this so far that it's like definitely not a like machismo action movie. And you know, they they make a point earlier like this guy fought in World War II I think they said he took down like twenty Nazi fighter jets. So like he's killed lots of people. But that doesn't make it easier. And especially when he has to like kill these people up close and like in each case they're like early to mid twenties. They're like kids. They're but
0: kids. And he's what, sixty or something? Yeah.
1: He's upset about, you know, killing a young woman. And especially because, like, he told her not to go for the gun, but she did. So he had no choice. That would
0: make him, uh, that would make me less upset.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's a little less upset about that one. He's most upset about the breaking the guy's neck. Uh, yeah. Just, just feel he, the bones. Yeah. Just because, like, the way it's described, and I'd never really thought about it, like, how a neck would break. You know, and it's like, yeah, it doesn't work the way that you see in movies, really. It's like you're breaking the neck by disconnecting the head from the neck.
0: Have you ever seen the movie Blue Ruin?
1: Yes. Yeah, that has very good descriptions or portrayals.
0: Yeah, and it's just like, oh, yeah, this this would never work in the way that it works in, like, Die
1: Hard. Right, (laughs) that, like, killing people isn't clean.
0: Yeah, and it's hard kind of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you know, that's what like after he breaks this guy's neck and like the guy's on the floor and his legs are shaking and his hands are clenching, he's like it's like his body doesn't know that he's already dead. Is is the way he describes it. Um and and you know, this guy does seem aware of how hard it is physically to kill a person. And like each time he does it, he's sure like he does it in a way of like, I'm sure that I've killed this person. When he shoots the guy up on the roof, he does the same thing Gruber did where he puts his gun right up to the guy's heart, essentially, before he pulls the trigger. And then I think he even yeah, he even uh, thinks about that, like he heard when like you kill somebody like that they're the shock like they don't even realize it basically because they're like immediately so shocked that that they're dead by the time the shock wears off
0: Hmm. do you think Roderick Thorpe the uh, author of the book nothing lasts forever uh, has ever killed a man
1: maybe I don't know his uh, his background he might have been in the wars
0: Um, You know, the guy that wrote the screenplay, one -hmm. of them, Jeb Stewart, also went on to write The Fugitive.
1: Wow. Uh, I mean, honestly, The Fugitive's a fantastic screenplay. So that's pretty impressive because, you know, like we were talking about last week, Diehards frequently held up as like a gold standard for uh, screenplay for like, you know, just like a a well-structured, well-paced Uh, movie story being told.
0: Tom, yeah, agreed. And uh, the other guy that wrote the movie Die Hard wrote 48 Hours, um, Commando, The Running Man. Man. um, See, but that's... Die Hard 2, Die Hard 3, another 48 Hours. Um, Well, actually, he wrote... 48 hours mm-hmm. and his co-writer for Die Hard wrote another, another 48 hours huh what a weird uh situation there. see but
1: like commando there is a perfect example of the opposite of this arnold schwarzenegger movie where he breaks a guy's neck in in an airplane and then when the flight attendant comes over he goes please don't bother my friend he's dead tired Right. So he doesn't have any flippin'. remorse. About, yeah. Yeah, so flippant that he's like, I'm gonna make a joke about this that the flight attendant's not even gonna get. This joke is just for me, just for me to have a chuckle about. He's dead tired because I snapped his neck only seconds earlier.
0: He also wrote uh the Flintstones oh. movie. He he's rock tired. You'll have to excuse my friend. He's uh
1: <laughs> Oh, I see. He's tired as a rock. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's uh, that's all for this week. I I believe that. Well, it's all I read. So I don't have Do anything you know else an to actor say.
0: Joey Travolta. We'll talk about this another time.
1: <laughs> I don't think we will.
0: <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for being a patron. Uh, sound up in the comments. Have you ever seen Die Hard? <laughs> I Actually,
1: like that you have a question of the week now.
0: Yeah, people respond. Uh yeah. What's your favorite Die Hard movie uh, I mean, out pe- of all of
1: them? People are going to say the first or the third.
0: Yeah, okay. If you ask my dad, I think he might say two.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. He likes airport thrillers?
0: He th- Well, yes. And, um, you know, the, he, he spent a lot of time uh, playing Flight Simulator in the <laughs> 90s, Tom. Um, and he thought the ending was very clever.
1: Oh, huh. Maybe uh, we can have him come on uh, during the last episode to give his thoughts.
0: I don't think he'd want to do that.
1: Well, I'll I'll call your house and and ask.
0: Okay, please do. Let me know how that goes.
1: (laughs) Sure, just be very confused (laughs) and (laughs) and then politely declined or hung up on.
0: Uh, Thanks again for being a patron, and... uh, We love you very much. See you next week.